Micro Monday again, the weekly microcast where we get to know members of the Micro.blog community. I'm Jean McDonald, the community manager at Micro.blog, and for today's episode, I am very pleased to welcome Mike Henley, who is at Mike Henley on Micro.blog. Hello, Mike. Welcome to Micro Monday. How's it going? Good, Jean. How are you? Thank you for having me on. <laughs> I'm doing well, and thank you for coming on and making the time to chat with me. Um, before we start talking about all things blogging and microblogging and other fun topics, why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? So um, I live in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada with my wife and two teenage daughters. Uh, during the day, I work in research at one of the largest uh, hospitals in Canada. I have a small team of developers. We build sites, applications. We're doing some work at AI and machine learning. But uh, in my spare time, I am a writer and an artist. I competed in NaNoWriMo in 2017. Mm. Um, I tried to do it last year, but the Inktober thing got in my way. So I did Inktober for the first time last year, which is drawing something uh, every, day, each, right? every day for October. And I did it on my iPad instead of using ink. And uh, that was fun. I'm going to try and do both this year. So wow. it's tough because I have to... Um, planned for uh, NaNoWriMo probably in July or August because I can't do it in October because I'll be drawing. So we'll see how that goes. That's, <laughs> that's my plan though. <laughs> wow. Well, it sounds like the internet has definitely given you some interesting outlets for your creativity mm -hmm. um, and micro.blog as well. So I was definitely first drawn to your uh, microblog when I started realizing like, wow, these, these are our drawings <laughs> that somebody <laughs> is doing. Um, they're incredibly detailed and, and they seem to be done fairly quickly. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed. Uh, but before we talk about your art, why don't we talk about how you got interested in micro.blog and, you know, what made you sign up? So I, uh, I've been listening to Cornet for years, and when I heard Manton talk about it, I thought, this is really interesting. So mm -hmm. I supported the Kickstarter, and I, I, it took me a while to get into it, mm -hmm. um, but I really – I'm enjoying it now. I find – and we can talk about it a bit later as well, but I, I just – I really enjoy the blogging experience, the microblogging experience. Um, I have probably – three dozen really good long form blog posts that I'll probably will never post. And that's always been the challenge for me mm. is trying to get a post to a point where I'm happy with it. I'm willing to share that idea. And I think it's just, it's so much easier to put together an idea in the equivalent length of, of a tweet and share it and own it and, and distribute it as I see fit. So I really Really appreciate the work that uh, that you and, and Manton have done with all of this. So uh, it's great. Yeah, I mean, I definitely have the same experience when I think about um, the last like really serious like blogging attempt I made was uh, to do a ant blog because it's a U N T, not A N T. Um, okay. <laughs> although I do find ants fascinating as well, but ants as in nieces and nephews and ants hanging out together because that's been a big part of my life. And But I would really, you know, labor over the posts and I'm not sure how many posts are on there. I still up there online. 
uh, I started on Twitter around the same time that I launched that blog. And Twitter just became much more the outlet for me to share things. And it's a typical response, you know, that we, by blogging with a capital B, not microblogging, we sometimes set the bar too high for ourselves. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I had to... In the 90s, I had a, an e-zine, oh, <laughs> I called it, wow. um, and I didn't really put out many editions, but I called it Brain Paint, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was, I called it an internet coaching um, so magazine, so, or e-zine, and I wrote about internet browsers, how to make an animated GIF, and this kind of thing, and I, mm-hmm. it was hard, I mean, I had, I thought I'd have all these, you know, I don't think, six or eight sections to it, and I, I think I did probably five editions of that, and it was too much. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I write in my spare time more so now than in the past, but it's, I find that I can share more, especially moving from text to art. Um, it's, it's really a pleasant experience. And uh, I really like how even in the last year, the microblog has, has uh, not going to say matured, but has developed into kind of my, my, my go-to platform. Yeah. Well, there's certainly a lot that's changed over the last couple of years too for the platform itself. So I'm um, glad to know you are growing with us. Mm-hmm. Um, so speaking of art, um, how long have you been drawing and doing artwork the way you've, um, the kind of work that I've seen on micro.blog leads me to believe it's been a long time. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's a hard question. I, I have a one of these um, school books that you get, um, you know, in grade school that has all your photos and everything in it. And then you kind of your parents sit down with you, I guess, and write down like who are your friends at this age and what do you oh. want to be. Uh, so I still have that. And so when I was five, I wanted to be an artist. Wow. <laughs> I, I I remember doing Tom and Jerry kind of fan art when I was a kid. Oh, cute. And I didn't really pursue it. Um, I didn't really. Uh, go into it further than that. I, um, I did. So I was an engineering mechanical engineering at college and I remember doing drafting and we had to do isometric projection drawings and things like that. And I found that really interesting. And it wasn't until probably 2005 when I drew uh, a chickadee for my wife as a, as a, as a gift. And, uh, she was blown away by it. And I think based on her reaction, I started pursuing uh, graphite drawing. So writing a uh, drawing with pencil. Mm-hmm. And I've done it kind of on and off. It wasn't until I think the iPad Pro, the 10.5 with the pencil that I started digital drawing. And so that's a lot of the work that you're seeing now is the, is the digital work. Uh, it's the digital stuff that I think is, is fun because I can do that anywhere. Yeah. Um, so what are you using on the iPad? So I have uh, the current generation 12.9 iPad Pro and I use Procreate. Okay. Um, and I have some brushes that I've built myself. Most of them I've, I've come with the app are, are, are absolutely perfect. And so that's what I do most of my uh, drawing with. I would say all of it. I've tried some of the other uh, programs, but Procreate is really the best mm-hmm. when it comes to simulating kind of a real world experience in drawing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I should say real, like it's not real. But <laughs> <laughs> and I've tried even to to make it more, uh, you know, I've tried adding the uh, paper-like and, and those kind of products to the screen and just to make it more like writing on paper or drawing on paper. And it's, it's for me, it just takes away from the quality of the screen. So I've actually removed those. But uh, it's very different for me in even how I approach it, drawing on an iPad versus drawing on paper. If I'm drawing on paper, 
I tend to see the artwork before it's there and I use the graphite just to pull it out. And mm -hmm. that's kind of how I look at it. Uh, when I draw on the iPad, it's completely different. I'm, I'm layering, I'm working with colors differently. I listen, listen to different music depending on whether I'm doing it digitally or on graphite. So it's, it's two very different experiences for me. Yeah. Um, I know that the iPad Pro and the Pencil have really revolutionized digital artwork. My, even for myself, like I'm, I'm kind of a sketcher of very mundane things. I have like my three things I like to draw regularly. <laughs> They're usually landscapes of some sort. But sometimes when I'm on a plane and I just want to um, pass the time in a creative way, I will pull out the iPad. But I'm always impressed by how people see me doing this and they go, ooh, are you an artist, right? And I, I want to go like, oh, no, absolutely not. I am just – I've got this iPad, I have this pencil, and I'm playing around with it. But it makes me think that, you know, were it uh, more – affordable, you know, to the masses, maybe more people would draw because I know for me personally, it's great to have those extra tools available to you to undo things when um, they don't turn out quite like you intended. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny you mentioned the undo because in Procreate, if you tap the screen with two fingers, it un undoes the last um, thing you drew, line. Uh -huh shade, whatever. So I find if I spend too much time on the iPad and I go back to paper, I'm tapping my paper with two fingers <laughs> to try and undo. And I get so disappointed. It's like, I, what, I have to erase it? Oh, yeah. Um, so that, uh, and it, it's funny you mentioned about drawing. I was I was at a, an Apple store. Or I shouldn't say that. I was at a Microsoft store um, mm -hmm. a couple of days ago, my first time looking at the big Surface Pro, right? So I thought, mm -hmm. I should explore this a bit further. So I started drawing and it was it was just a horrible experience. But I was drawing it out and one of the Microsoft people came over and says, Oh my God, what a beautiful, what a beautiful dog. And I was like, it's actually a horse. <laughs> <laughs> so while you may think my art is great, it doesn't uh, it doesn't always come across that way. And I'm just gonna blame the software, I think, in that case. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I definitely I'm impressed, you know, with your attention to detail and also your ability to uh, just see things and and recreate them. Or, I mean, obviously, when you're sitting on the train, you're not seeing a chickadee right in front of you. So seeing the things in your imagination and making them real on the iPad. Yeah. And so what I do in most cases, I actually use a reference photo and I use mm -hmm. the split screen option in the iPad to put the photo in the in the, the left third. Mm. And then I use Procreate on the, on, on the two thirds side. And so that way I can see my reference photo and then I draw in Procreate. So I have photos open on one side and Procreate on the other. Oh, wow. And that's so handy. That, yeah. And so that I do that, especially when I'm working on a larger piece where I may have, it may be a compilation of a bunch of photos. That's a really handy way to I encourage anyone who wants to just explore drawing it on iPad rather than just looking at something and, and trying to draw a still life to, to use that idea of, of being able to put something either on the left or the right as a one third photo and then using Procreate for the rest of the space and just zoom in and out as you see fit. It works out quite well. That's a great tip. And uh, yeah. I think I will... I'll definitely give that a try myself. Um, I hadn't thought about that. I've, I have like opened up photos 
and um, I have Procreate as well, as well as some other drawing programs and sort of sketched over them to see how mm -hmm. I can do with that. But that actually, you know, from a drawing um, perspective, not no pun intended, um, <laughs> I, it makes more sense to just look at something and, and draw it uh, because trace, I... tracing over something, there's too much detail really. And And I don't. So I would encourage as well if if you want to if people want to try it, there's no harm in in Procreate. You can bring in a photo and mm -hmm. you can you know lower the transparency of that layer to twenty percent and then and then trace kind of the outer edges and then just hide that layer and start drawing from there. I think that's absolutely fine. I think the sketching component is really quite different than the actual coloring or the drawing uh, as you fill it in with color. So I think it's okay if you want to skip that step. I mean, mm -hmm. the great artists of the world have done that kind of thing. So sure. I think it's absolutely fine. And when I, I did a session at the Apple store um, back in, uh, in 2018 and uh, absolutely encourage people to do that kind of thing. It's uh, it's a good way to get into it. I hope based on this conversation, we'll see some more sketching and, and, and artwork on micro.blog. <laughs> For sure. So, uh, so what do you like about micro.blog besides the ease of posting? I, I think that people are always thoughtful and measured in their interactions. Mm -hmm. um, I think when you look at compared against, uh, you know, some of the other social platforms, I find that, you know, you, you rely on if you're in Twitter or some of the other, I mean, I'm on Instagram as well, uh, that you rely on the system to provide you your satisfaction, that dopamine hit, mm -hmm. you're relying on the likes and the tweets. So you're relying on the system to provide that feedback. And I find microblog, it's really, you're relying on the people, right? Or not relying on them, but you're, it's those interactions that you, that, that provide you that because you don't have the likes, you don't have the followers. Um, and I find that experience a bit more genuine. There's less pressure to it. And uh, people are really kind and genuine. I've learned so much. I've read many more books than I would have just in watching the interactions and wow. adding things to Amazon and uh, and and uh, to my Kindle. And I, I feel it's it's just I, I don't know. It's like walking into a room and there's always a seat for you, and you don't have to speak if you don't want to. <laughs> nice. That's a really nice formulation. I'm definitely going to use that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So if I can switch uh, the subject from microblogging to microcasting, uh, if you have you ever thought of making a microcast, and if you did, what would it be about? I, I have. I've been thinking a lot about it lately, and I just don't know what I'm going to do yet. Okay. <laughs> so I think, I mean, the easiest solution maybe in my mind would be something around digital health, just because of the nature of work I do during the day. But I, I think I'm leaning more towards maybe something I'm about my art and the tools and the process and the lessons I've learned. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I've actually been thinking about maybe when I post a, a, a piece I've done that maybe I provide a bit of a, a microcast narrative around what inspired me, what's oh. based on some of the challenges. So I thought kind of bringing my art to life that way, because I'm thinking of actually turning my art into a bit of a business. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking if people were looking at prints and, and wanting to know the history of the image. I think there's, it's more powerful when you hear the story and the journey and um, hopefully to, you know, people find more meaning in the photo, but also maybe to inspire others as well. So I'm tending towards that. I yeah. Think. I think that's uh, a great idea. Just based on our short conversation today, I feel like you've already thrown out some really great observations that will inspire other people who want to do 
digital art or artwork in general. So I could totally see where people would enjoy hearing that on a regular basis. That would be awesome. I mean, the other thing that I would like to talk about is, uh, you know, we live in, it, it's funny, we live in Ottawa, we're about 30 minutes from the capital, um, you know, but we're on a two acre lot and we have fiber. So I have gigabit in the country, which is fantastic. That's only recent. But we <laughs> raise butter, we raise butterflies in the summer. Ooh. And we also have a pond where we have ducks that come and nest every year. So I think uh, I'm probably going to do a blog post about the butterfly bit, but I think I'd like to talk about that as well. But I don't know how I can weave that into art all into the same microcast. So I may have to do two. We'll see. <laughs> well, don't overthink it. That's my, um, <laughs> that's my suggestion. And people who enjoy hearing you will probably enjoy hearing about the butterflies and the ducks, regardless whether you draw them or not. <laughs> um, well, Mike, before we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to add? I think that uh, I, I want to acknowledge the work that you've done, uh, specifically around uh, girls and code and learning to code. I've got two daughters, as I mentioned earlier, and they're 13 and 16. Mm -hmm. And between them, I think they can probably navigate about six different languages, uh, computer languages now. Wow. And um, they were able to do that because of organizations like App Camp for Girls that inspired others to do the same. And uh, I, I think it's fantastic. I mean, I work in software development. I don't see enough uh, women or, uh, or other groups in the industry, and I would like to see more. And uh, my daughters have already benefited in even doing s simple math in grade 11 and 12 and understanding in advance how to program and functions and things like that. It's It's been a huge benefit for them. And neither of them want to be developers, and I don't necessarily want them to be that. Mm -hmm. But if you want to – one of them wants to move into medicine. If you want to be a good researcher, you need to understand how to code. And so I think that's powerful, and I, I my, hat, my hat off to you and all the work that you've done in doing that. So well, I don't think I have anything more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, it is always good to know that um, – there's girls out there benefiting from the work that we have done at App Camp for Girls, or uh, there's certainly um, great organizations in Canada as well. Um, and, and yeah, I think that one of our philosophies at App Camp was that just because you don't want to be a coder doesn't mean you don't want to be in the software industry or soft, doing something software-related. As well, I think that there's been a lot of narrow focus out there um, historically that has turned people off who are not narrow in their interests. So um, we've tried to make it more fun, more organic. That seems to have worked really well. So thank you for saying that. It really is nice to hear. <laughs> well, as I say, it's it's genuine, and I I. Uh... I'm so enthusiastic about their potential now. So it's uh, it's been great. And I, I think in, in addition to that, I would say that what you're doing in, in kind of um, assisting with micro.blog and kind of moving it forward and exposing, like, you know, the discovery tab in the micro.blog app is fantastic. But I think this podcast is the embodiment of that, right? And I think my youngest, who loves writing, wants to do a blog now. Mm. So I think um, in some ways uh, you're, you're leading another generation in, in kind of sharing um, uh, their ideas. And I, I'm, you know, it, 
it may seem grandiose in, in, in the way I'm describing it, but I, I do think that uh, getting people to share their ideas and question their ideas and question their friends' ideas by, by sharing uh, blog posts and, and things like that, I think, is, is all going to lead us to a better place. Well, amen to that. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I definitely I, – I definitely agree with you there. Well, Mike, thanks so much for being here on Micro Monday. Thank you, Jean. I was, uh, it was a pleasure and uh, I look forward to listening to every single one of these after me as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listeners, if you want to follow Mike on micro.blog, there'll be a link in the show notes or you can go to micro.blog slash Mike Henley. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.